Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Time to jump in with me again. Buckle up and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we check out the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, corn harvest got started down in South Texas back in the summer, and it has slowly made its way up through the state. Now we're all the way up in the panhandle with corn harvest running full speed ahead. We'll go all the way to Dalhart to check on harvest progress to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In any serious discussion about the future of Texas High Plains agriculture, the Ogallala Aquifer will come up. I'm James Hunt, and on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about an event later this month that will focus on finding better ways to make use of this critical water resource. USDA launches the first phase of soil carbon monitoring efforts through a Conservation Reserve Program initiative. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. It is fall, hunting, fair time, and very busy in East Texas, and this is James Duncan. We'll be talking about it in just a moment. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The 2021 corn crop is coming out of the field in the Texas panhandle, and the results look really good. Jake Becker is a field agronomist for Pioneer. He's based in Dalhart. We got a ton of rain, cool temperatures, really up until, uh, say, the end of July. Um, corn crop was looking excellent. But then in uh, August and September, Mother Nature reminded us that it was still summer and it was hot and dry ever since. So we grew some enormous plants out there, had enormous potential. And really, the crops coming off now are pretty darn good. Um, we did definitely take off the top with all the heat and wind that we had at the end of the growing season, but nonetheless, still have some uh, some good crops we're harvesting on the corn side. Becker says about 40% of the corn in his area is harvested for silage. There is a shortage of veterinarians here in Texas. To help address a shortage of veterinarians in parts of Texas, the State Animal Health Commission is now accepting nominations from the public for potential funding for veterinary care in their community. There is funding available through the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Veterinary Medicine Loan Repayment Program. That funding could encourage a veterinarian to relocate or stay in an area where a shortage has been identified. In exchange for up to three years of their service, the selected veterinarians will receive up to $25,000 a year to repay their student loans. 
A form to nominate an area with a veterinary shortage is available on the TAHC website. In addition to accepting new nominations, the Animal Health Commission is also accepting comments to re-nominate previously designated areas. The deadline to nominate an area is 5 p.m. on Friday, October 29th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. August beef exports topped $1 billion. U.S. beef exports soared to yet another new value record in August, topping the $1 billion mark for the very first time. That's according to data released by USDA and compiled by the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Record shipments to China led the way, and we saw the largest exports of the year to Japan. August beef exports totaled 132,577 metric tons. Export volume was up 21% from a year ago and the second largest of 2021, while export value climbed 55%, up to $1.04 billion. The Ogallala Aquifer will be the focus of an upcoming event in the Texas Panhandle. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. Coming up on October 27th at the Hereford Civic Center, an event titled Ogallala Field Day, coming together around the water table. The event is hosted by Holistic Management International, a nonprofit organization based in Albuquerque. HMI's Executive Director, Wayne Knight, says what producers who attend are being asked to consider is a regenerative approach to water management that involves working with nature with respect to how plants, soil microorganisms, and animals interrelate. We don't necessarily have answers to what it is that each producer could do or should do, but what we really do stand by is that by doing the same thing, we're not going to improve. And if we could work together with small groups of producers who are happy to work together, who are happy to share information, we believe that we've got a really useful, sponsored program over a year or two years where producers can work together, share information, share data, and support each other. Topics on tap for the day-long event include planned grazing, rotational crops, and animal integration. Knight says the agenda also includes a trip to a nearby farm owned by Chris Grodegut, who has adopted practices including converting some of his acres to perennial grasses and cattle, practices that may actually be helping his water tables to rise. Once again, the event is October 27th at the Hereford Civic Center. The registration deadline is October 19th and the cost is $50. Support for the event is being provided by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service. Find out more at holisticmanagement.org. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. USDA is launching soil carbon monitoring efforts through the Conservation Reserve Program. Tom Nicoletti tells how. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is investing $10 million in a new initiative to sample, measure, and monitor soil carbon on Conservation Reserve program acres to better quantify the climate outcomes of the program. CRP is an important tool in the nation's fight to reduce the worst impacts of climate change facing farmers, ranchers, and foresters. This initiative begins implementation this fall with its partners. This week's announcement is part of a broader, long-term soil carbon monitoring effort across agricultural lands. 
The effort supports USDA's commitment to deliver climate solutions to agricultural producers and rural America through voluntary incentive-based solutions. Zach Ducheneau, administrator of USDA's Farm Service Agency, said, quote, These CRP climate change mitigation assessment initiative projects will survey, sample, and measure the climate benefits of land enrolled in CRP conservation practice types over time. He added this data will help the Agriculture Department better target CRP practices to achieve continued climate wins across environmentally sensitive lands while strengthening modeling and conservation planning resources for all producers. USDA partners will conduct soil carbon sampling on three categories of CRP practice types, perennial grass, trees, and wetlands. Ducks Unlimited and its partners, including the University of Texas at Austin, will collect data on carbon stocks in wetland soils, as well as vegetation carbon levels at 250 wetland sites across a 15-state area in the central United States. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Fall is bringing fairs and hunting seasons to East Texas. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. The seasons are changing, and as always, summer now fades into fall. That brings on county fairs, state fairs. Uh, the weeks just keep turning and turning, and the plows are rolling, plying the pastures to sod and plant winter pastures in East Texas. This is the season for planting these pastures to give us grazing for yearlings, for weight gain, for cows to produce better milk, more milk for their calves. We have producers that like those winter months for the calving season. The season is also very popular for wild game hunting, and many of our farms and ranch acres are used for non-traditional income production by leasing to hunters, especially for deer hunters, on a daily basis or a gun basis. But it works well, and it adds extra income to the family's coffers. The feral hog problem Well, it's just a problem, and it's always going to be, but it does add a little extra special something for our hunting pleasure during this season of the year. We can take a hog or two here and there and mix it with some of that good deer meat, make those wild game sausage, and they're good year-round. When you season them just right, they're always good for a good egg and sausage breakfast. In East Texas, the East Texas Fair has wrapped up. Now come the long-standing East Texas Jamboree, then the Harvest Festival, where youth from six counties of East Texas compete for prize money, scholarships, and to win the show. This is James Duncan reporting from Marshall for Texas Ag Today. An event that includes trapping demonstrations, discussions on ethical wildlife control methods, and a ladies' skillet toss will come to Central Texas this week. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the possibility of animals contracting COVID-19 is a very legitimate concern. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. 
Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. For the past year and a half, there have been concerns that animals can contract COVID-19. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd says those are some very legitimate concerns. From the beginning of the pandemic, people have been worried about their animals becoming infected with the virus, and rightly so. Some animals were found to be infected and show symptoms, and others were found to be infected and yet not develop any symptoms. Initially, there was no information available, but now we have been seeing some studies that answer some of these questions in some animals. A recent study published in the Journal of Emerging Infectious Diseases indicates that cats seem to be among the most susceptible to domestic animals with reports of clinical and subclinical infections. To determine the potential effects on animal and human health, a group of cats were experimentally exposed to the SARS-CoV-2 virus, and the virus was detected in the nasal cavity and trachea of all cats on day three, and in most cats still on day six. However, virus was not detected in any cats after day 10, so the short duration of shedding of the virus is similar to the disease in humans. In this experiment, no cats showed any clinical symptoms and no virus was found outside of the respiratory tract, although some cats with naturally occurring disease have developed symptoms. Even without any clinical signs, inflammation of the respiratory tract was found in all cats up to 28 days after infection. Cats that were infected were attempted to be reinfected after recovery, and none became infected. So cats can become infected with SARS-CoV-2, and some can develop respiratory symptoms, but they usually have some immunity to prevent future infections, at least for a short period of time. This is Texas Vet News. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Trapping demonstrations, wildlife control methods, and a ladies' skillet toss is coming to Central Texas this week. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. Well-known trappers, fur hunters, and handlers from across the United States will gather in Gatesville Friday and Saturday for the semi-annual convention and members meeting of the Texas Trappers and Fur Hunters Association. Bill Applegate, vice president of the association, says the fall rendezvous will include programs designed to help trappers deal with nuisance animal complaints. We provide instructions and demonstrations on how to capture different kinds of animals. And we try to educate the membership and the public about proper fur handling techniques and and ethical uh, wildlife control methods. There will be presentations on predator management for wildlife, high fence predator solutions, and predator trapping. Kicking off at 1 o'clock on Friday, we have a fellow going to do a pig trapping, feral hog trapping demonstration using panels and T-post, and he'll set it up right there in the demonstration area. And we also have other guys doing coyote and bobcat demonstrations. Attendees will be able to visit a nearby ranch and pick locations to set traps. 
people can see just how to choose a location, what to look for. They can even try their hand at setting a trap if they like. First thing Saturday morning, attendees can go back out to the ranch to see if their traps caught anything. The event will also include a ladies' skillet toss, basic trapping for youth, and mousetrap roulette. The event is free and open to the public. The fall rendezvous will be held Friday and Saturday in the Gatesville Civic Center. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was a negative day across the board in the markets on Wednesday. We had lower prices in the cattle, cotton, and grain markets. We'll take a closer look at all of those markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. back looking at another lopsided matchup Jim. today we have a combine taking on a train yeah that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine no competition there right especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train that's 18 football fields it's no contest every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings see tracks think train this message brought to you by operation lifesaver We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a negative day across the board in the markets on Wednesday. We had a lower close for cattle, cotton, and the grain markets. We'll get things started with the cattle market as we usually do. Lower close in both live and feeder cattle on Wednesday. October live cattle down 25, 124.77. December down 25 at 129 even. February live cattle down 70 cents, 133.55. October feeder cattle down 92, 157.65. November feeders down 82 at 160.97. The January down $1.32, 161.45. Cash fed cattle trade picked up on Wednesday. We saw cattle sell out in the country at 124 here in Texas. We also had the online fed cattle exchange on Wednesday. We sold 272 head of Texas cattle. Those cattle brought 124 to 124.50. Boxed beef lower on Wednesday. Choice down 76 cents at 280.31. Select down 203 at 259.32. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. And let's talk about the cattle sale that we had at Live Oak Livestock Three Rivers, Riley Rhodes, proprietor. Riley, tell me how that sale went. I uh, had a really good sale, Larry. Uh, ended up with 2,268 total head today. Uh, market overall uh, was better on the calves and yearlings. Uh, I quoted just, uh, you know, your calves kind of sold steady to four higher. The yearlings probably two to six higher. I had about 500 wean yearlings here today. Uh, you know, they brought from, I guess, eight to 12 cent premium. Some of the load lots that we had, uh, that they probably brought up closer to 15 cent premium, um, you know, in the cow that we sold in, in full load. I was real pleased with it. Packer cows, they were the only thing. They, they came off a little bit there, two to four lower than last week. Had a few pairs, uh, 825 to 30. Uh, bread cows, seven and a quarter up to 11.75. Packer cows, 58 to 64 on your high yielding cows. Uh, bre- uh, breakers, 54 to 60. The canners, 24 to 46. Uh, Packer bulls, also a little bit lighter than last week, 80 to 86 on high yielding bulls. 58 to 80 on your low to medium yielding bulls. The two to three weight choice steers, 168 to 196. Heifer mates, 130 to 156. Three to four weight choice steers, 166 up to 202. Heifer mates, 128 to 154. Uh, four to five weight choice steers, 140 to 168. Heifer mates, 124 to 146. Five to six weight choice steers, 138 to 160. The heifer mates, 120 to 142. Six 
to seven, weight choice steers 126 to 146, heifer mates 118 to 132, and the bigger cattle weighing seven to 800 pounds, your choice steers 126 to 142, and the heifers 116 to 134. But uh, real pleased with it, uh, you know, especially with those wean yardens we had here, I thought we got along real good with them. But overall, had some really good quality calves, carrying quite a bit of quite a bit of flesh with them, and uh, got along good with them. I, I was real pleased with the market today. Good. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next Monday sale. 361-813-6650 is the sale. 361-786-2553 is the office. Slaboclass.com is the web. And I'll be getting you more information, but we have that special cow sale coming up in a couple of weeks on Saturday, October 23rd. Good deal, Riley. Thank you a bunch. Thank you, sir. And neighbor, thank you. You've been listening to me, Larry Marble, and walking the pens on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day to you. We'll do it again tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs close lower. October hogs down 42 cents, 88.65. The December down two at 78.15. Class three milk was mixed. The nearby October down two, 17.87. A hundred weight. November up six. It was a dollar higher at 18.87. A hundred. The drop continues in the cotton market following USDA's very bearish supply and demand report on Tuesday. USDA reducing Chinese consumption in that report was a big negative, and that continues to weigh on the cotton market. December cotton down 252 points to close at 103.86. March cotton down 226, closing at 101.84. Same story in the corn market. USDA's report showing a greater than expected rise in corn yield production and ending stocks. All of that pushing corn prices lower this week. December corn down 10 and a quarter, 512 and a quarter. March corn down 10 cents at 522 a bushel. Now the report was mostly neutral for the wheat market. However, all of the pressure coming from corn and soybeans spilled over into the wheat market on Wednesday and we close lower. July Kansas City wheat down 16 and 3 quarters, 728 a bushel. July Chicago wheat down 14, closing at 726 and 3 quarters. In the energy markets, November natural gas up 14 cents, 565. November crude oil down 13 at 80.51 a barrel. The financial market slightly higher on Wednesday. The Dow up 12 points, 34,390. The Nasdaq up 104, 14,571. The S&P up 13 at 4,364. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.